Mid-market sized businesses are where the true economic action in business really is. They are nimble and agile. They're factories of growth, they lead in innovation, and they're early adopters of tech. These enterprises need the right tools, support and environment to flourish. But sadly, they're often overlooked and undervalued. Not here though. This is the Mid-Market Matters podcast, and I'm your host, Craig West. We'll explore pain points, growth strategies, and how to find the competitive edge. Welcome to SME Radio. In this episode of Mid-Market Matters, we're joined by Amrita Abbott. I've known Amrita for quite a long time. She's got a really interesting resume, but I'm going to let her tell you more about that. Uh, Amrita, firstly, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's a uh, pretty interesting history. I just uh, looked at your LinkedIn profile, Entrepreneur Awards, passionate thought leader in the fintech space, successfully built a company and sold it off to a listed company for quite a lot of money. What haven't you done yet? (laughs) There's still a long way to go, but um, probably a bit of background around um, where I started and and how I've arrived to the destination that I'm at uh, at the moment Mm. and where I'm leading to. You know, I really did start my career from the grassroots um, level in the accounting industry, and that's around about 2004. And one of my first roles was in the financial services business, working directly with mums and dads um, and really trying to optimise their financial future. And this role gave me plenty of opportunity to listen and connect with clients on a daily basis. And I I guess that really inspired my passion for resolving pain points and challenges that that they were, um, you know, that they were actually intercepting. And in those early days, technology solutions were so limited um, and the ones that you could actually access were expensive, they were slow to implement. And traditionally conservative in the accounting space, that was really wasn't the up yep. the uptake was very really slow. So, I could see that there was a huge potential in that technology that would actually relieve the friction, the frustrations that clients were dealing with on a day to day basis to reach their reach their goals. So, really, it wasn't that long before I decided to make the move and start my own practice. Um, in that space, I was primarily working in the SMSF industry, um, which is where we started to engage. Um, with with uh, uh, with you, Craig, and you know Succession Plus, and I specialised in that arena um, for quite some time, and I felt that I needed to really transform that space, and and, and as it was actually becoming quite um, prominent in the market, um, and people really wanted to focus on. Um, having their ability to control and flexibility um, around their investments, we needed to actually have that technology to support that. So I founded SMSF Strategies in 2005 with the vision to use technology to start to addressing the traditional um, friction po- points within the SMSF. Manual processing gave me um, made giving and implementing advice slow and expensive. And, you know, accountants wanted to provide much better solutions. So anyway, fast forward, that morphed into a documentation process um, using world-class technology platform. And I wanted to then, um, I guess, broaden the horizons outside of the SMSFs and created a platform called Now Infinity. Uh, Now Infinity uh, was a sort of cutting edge of the digital transformation industry. Um, And this is the one that you just mentioned that was acquired by an ASX um, listed company called Class Limited um, in 2020 for $25 million. Um, So I I think, you know, from there it was really, it's just been an evolution of just listening all the time um, because the problems appear very 
very clearly and very concise when you open up your eyes and listen and 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 listen to the people um, and then you just have to solve those pain points through and for me through the use of technology um, and communication and that's sort of where I've led to today and I continue yeah, but to it was, you're a little bit ahead of your time really because fintech's <laughs> obviously fintech's flavor of the month now everybody talks about prop tech fintech all yeah. that sort of stuff but you're talking about 2005 that's you know 15 16 years ago when you first started I know, um, and I didn't even of... have that name then, right? It was just, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it was just um, how can I actually, you know, how can I actually move these people along and, and reach their goals? And I remember having just these vanilla folders that were out the door of, um, you know, my office just with paperwork and paperwork and paperwork, and it was such a slow process and I just could not get my head around why it was taking so long for them to achieve their goals and, you know, people were just giving up. Um because it was so long to implement and I thought there's got to be a better way and I was not taking no for an answer. So, yeah, I think I was ahead of my time, really, and still am. <laughs> Absolutely. And so most of the work that you did through Now Infinity, you, you dealt mm-hmm. with accountants, were your customers, so you didn't deal so much direct to business Correct. owners or SMSF trustees. You worked through the accountants. That's a different Correct. approach. How did you find that? Yeah, I really found that rewarding. Um, I, I found that... When I made the change um, from, you know, working with mums and dads and then and working into the accounting profession, I, I felt that that was necessary because it wasn't so much that the mums and dads, they had a very clear vision, but the execution was coming from the professional um, bodies and their professional um you know, advisors because they didn't have the tools, they didn't have the capability to be able to deliver on time or implement the the strategy because of the technology. So it was such a refreshing move to be able to then engage with them and say, okay, where are we getting stuck here? And that's where it really led me to the technology. And I really felt that was um, so rewarding to actually go into that space. And I still today continue to be um, dealing with professionals. And it's not just accountants, it's lawyers, it's financial advisors, it's real estate agents, it's it's everywhere. Um, every, every industry I've seen over the last 10 to 15 years, there's a weakness in their businesses, there's a weakness within that technology space, there's a weakness in their implementation and delivery um, of services where the end consumer is always held up um, and they're the ones that have to actually um, endure the pain. So yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, and I think that digital transformation, um, really, you know, particularly during the um, pandemic and and still today, um, has actually really catapulted this digital transformation. And um, I've harnessed that so much in the last eighteen months, um, and I can see massive changes still coming through, which is exciting times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what are you seeing with account? I mean, you deal with accountants a lot, yeah. you deal with lawyers, financial planners, so all of that advice, sort of professional services space. What are you seeing them focusing on now? You've you mentioned the pandemic. You know, what are they yeah. really worried about or what are they working on? Well, you know, I think even before the pandemic, um, what I have seen, and I think that this is really, um, you know, the fruits of probably the likes of Zero. Um, Zero has been running for, you know, over you know, 10 years. And they changed the dynamics of the way that accountants were engaging with um, the consumers because what happened, uh, and I believe, and, and, you know, maybe some people don't agree with it, but they really created an ecosystem and, you know, I think it was yesterday that they announced they've got 1,000 add-on partners or apps that are connected to the ecosystem. Yeah, and so this changed the way that the accountants were advising their their clients to actually then... um, 
I guess, bring them into a world of this digital space. And so whether that was, you know, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's a, um, you know, a, a trade um, trading company or whether it's a, you know, mechanical or whatever it may be or a tech company, they were actually then starting to encourage them to adapt to the new technology. And so they, it almost they became a reseller of technology. And that that's actually quite interesting shift from an accountant that was giving advice on the P and L which I'm sure they still do, but they actually became quite advanced in their technology knowledge themselves. And so I think that the accountants that I've been dealing with are so tech savvy, opposed to you know what beforehand is that well, can you just do my tax return? And so I've seen a huge shift um, in that. And, and now their businesses look very, very different. And when you go to webinars or seminars or even conferences, they're actually talking about their tech stack. And th- this is just phenomenal. Yeah. Like it's yeah. just it's crazy the way that they talk. So I, I can see that now. And I think really they've got the tools and they've got the, the visibility to be able to, um, and this is where I think that it's, it's really quite um, – you know, we're actually at the point now. Well, how do we actually value that business? Where where does it lie? And I think this is the most um, prominent piece that you and I are working on together. And I'm really excited about that viability tool, the valuation tool, and that succession tool because the way that we used to value the business and the way that we looked at it is completely different to the way that we would have done it 10 to 15 years ago. And it's not just based on the PL; it's about what technology are you using, how are you actually um, communicating with yeah. your clients. What's that engagement level look like? And you know, it's 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 very very different. And so I can see that the accountants and also the consumers is much more engaged, and they've got access to these tools too. So they're they're right on top of their business, and if not, they're going to get left behind. So um, I think the accountants of yesterday are not so much hiding behind compliance and Excel spreadsheets. They're right in there, and if they're not tech savvy, then they're going to get left behind. So it's a very different um, beast compared to what it used to be. Yeah, and I think they've still got, I saw a survey not long ago, accountants are still one of the most trusted professions. They're the sort of go-to people for business owners. But as you said, now they're using technology to be able to offer all these different solutions, you know, whether it's SMSF or succession or valuation or digital signing or whatever it might be. They've got a tech stack, as you said, that they can now offer all these different things that they're not necessarily experts in but they've got access to. Yeah, that, that 100%. And, you know, the um, that their clients are re- reaching out saying, what should I have in my business? Mm, and mm. particularly through, a, you know, a pandemic where the, the people that saw the opportunity or had to be very innovative, they had to move quickly. And particularly in the Victorian state where they were in lockdown for most of that duration is, yeah. well, how do you actually survive in that situation? And you had to be very, very creative and you needed a creative, I think, accounting or advisory firm that could actually help that that business thrive. And whether that's through delivery or, as you said, e-signing, um, you know, I've set up and I use the opportunity to, to roll out Anitra for that because we could see that, you know, we had lots of um, documents that needed to be signed, but you were within a five-kilometre radius. You couldn't actually reach people. You couldn't get in front of them. And so yep. e-signing um, has, has really, you know, obviously taken um, charge over the last 12 months. Now, I've introduced e-signing, you know, particularly into my business in 2012, and it was not widely accepted back then, but it's now catapulted in the Electronics Transaction Act, you know, the Law Society, banks, and everyone else just was scrambling going, oh, how do we quickly adopt and adapt to that? Because we can't reach people. 
and we yep. need these documents signed. And, and and also, too, you know, the real estate auctions online, how do you actually sign, how do we actually agree to that? So um, there's been a huge shift um, during that, and I mm. think that that's, that's really, really exciting to see, but unfortunately it took a pandemic to actually make people move. Um, to make it happen, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about the exit. Obviously I'm hugely focused on succession and exit planning. Yeah. Um, you've had a very successful strategic exit. You've built the business up over a period of time. Um, tell us a little bit about that journey and how you found it and, and what you went through. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, exiting is it's one of those ones, that, and as you said, you know, this is your area of expertise. Um, for me, I, I guess it's it's always this sort of common question as to, when do you know it's time and, and why did you make that decision and who do you sell to? Um, for me, it was really, it wasn't a matter of whether it was time. It was just something that sort of came about. And, you know, I've always been, you know, you've partnered with me since the get-go and making sure that the business was ready for that sale at any given time and making sure that I was aligned with the, you know, the, the purchaser or the buyer that was coming through and that, that they would actually then deliver and continue to grow um, now infinity through through my vision and through the way that I wanted to see it. Now, I don't expect them to actually follow that suit, but um, the exit was actually quite you know, beside the negotiation, it's still one of those things when you when you raise and build a company, um, there's emotional element to it. I think that's one thing. Um, I was probably not so much aware of that. Um, I want to be very open and honest about that to, to lots of people. Some people it's just transactional. And I think the more and more that you do that, it does become transactional. But for me, that this actually had a very um, emotional and raw element to it because that's, you know, that was my very big This is your company. baby, right? Yeah, it's baby. So, you know, on the 1st of July, you, you sort of, you don't have your now infinity email address and so forth. Um, but, you know, that there's a very proud moment where you go, wow, you know, I've done that. And I did that from, you know, right from the beginning. I didn't need to raise capital. Um, I, I've built it on instinct and, you know, with the guidance of yourself as to where the areas that I needed to focus on and where the areas I didn't need to. So the exit, um, the exit was and the transaction was relatively easy. It's just that, well, where do you go to from there? And uh, I think a lot of people uh, make the assumption that, okay, well, you've sold it, so why don't you go sit on the beach and do nothing? Um, well, that, <laughs> that's not I my persona. That's not my yeah. persona. That's not my persona. So, um, you know, you've got to, you've got to, you know, you're already on the front foot thinking, okay, well, I'm not going to be doing that. Um, I really want to keep solving these problems. And there's a whole world out there that that still needs, you know, um, still needs attention. And so, you know, you have to pick yourself up and go, right, let's go again. And um, and that's what I've done. So. Um, how how um, you know that was that was pretty simple. It was just a, a lot of back and forward, um, you know, with with Class Limited and just talking to them and just saying, well, okay, what's what's the next step and where do we go from there? But um, the when was just you know they approached and said, look, are you ready? Um, and I said, I'm not sure. So let's just talk and make sure that we're actually um, you know on the same page. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what barriers? What did you find apart from you've mentioned already the emotional connection to the business, yeah. which is pretty common, and we see that a lot. But what else were barriers or what else did you find particularly difficult about the process and exiting and so on? Yeah, I think I think some of the barriers is really just finding out, um, well, sorry, not finding out, but the barriers are really about your team. Um, I'm a very much uh, team-driven leader. Um, I mm -hmm. believe that 
my company was built on the basis of a very strong loyal team. Um, and, you know, I think what maybe not so much a barrier but a concern that was always about what what's their fate and you know I have staff that was spread you know in Europe and also over in um, the Philippines and here in Australia and Macedonia and Thailand so I did have quite a few um, you know staff that was spread across the world and wondering you know what what was going to happen to them and how they were going to be, you know, uh, obviously adopted and make sure they were looked after. But also, too, I, I'm so considerate to my members, and I used to call them now affinity members, how they mm. were going to adjust um, to that. And, and once again, it's not a barrier, it's a concern. And you always, well, for me, I, I take it personally. Every, every business that I've built, it's quite personal to me. Um, and yeah. some people sort of say that that shouldn't be the case, you know, and it's not the right thing to do. But it's made me very successful in everything that I do because it, it is personal, um, you know, and I do look at the decisions that I make that um, if I didn't take it personally, then it just wouldn't stick for me. Um, and that's the person yeah. I am. So um, the other barriers is really is is really just making sure that, they can understand the strategic positioning of the business and where I feel that it should go. And watching it when you let your hands um, and when you when, when it goes away from you and then get taken away from your hands is, is then looking back on it and watching it from a day-to-day basis and you know, you look at your staff and you and you still want to see them and you make sure that they're going they're going okay and you and you watch the share price and you look at everything else and and you know I'm super proud. I'm super proud. But they're the unknowns. Um, I think that's the only barriers um with that and uh, obviously with the issues and during the exit is sort of the unknowns. Just the unknowns. Yeah. I had a client the other day said to me it reminded him of the day that he dropped his uh eldest son off to primary school school. When he started school, he sort of said you know, this is my baby and I'm giving it to someone else to look after. And, geez, I hope they do a good job with it. And he said <laughs> selling his business felt like exactly the same thing. Yeah, I know. It's quite funny because I read lots of articles where they say, you know, your business is, isn't your baby. Um, you shouldn't treat it like that. And I'm, I'm always I'm always sort of conflicted. And, you know, I, I try and distance myself and go, well, you know what? It's not my baby. It's business. And you yeah. should treat it like that. But, I think everybody has a personal element um, attached to their business because you put your heart and soul into it. It's it is what it is, um, mm. and you know I don't shy away from that. The, the the businesses that I have now, and clearly this is you know always been my style, and, and you know I was raised with strong work ethics. Probably a little bit less attached to to the ones that I do have, but yeah. I still put my heart and soul into them. Like I just I can't see how they would not thrive without that energy. Um, yep, you know, you do have people around you that can actually support that, but there's still that 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 emotional tie, and I, and I really just would not shy away from that. So whether I call it, you know, this is my baby, but you know what, it's it's still a love, it's still love, and, and you know, you, you've got to put your energy into it if you're going to um, strive and make sure that this business actually succeeds. Because if you don't give it all your attention, then you don't really have a business. Yeah, absolutely. I fully agree. I'm pretty passionate about what I do too. I think most successful people are pretty passionate about what they do. Yeah. They love the business. They love the people they work with, the clients, etc. It's part exactly. of the recipe, I reckon. I, th- I I agree too, and I think clients will then um, can see through it if you're not yeah, there. Absolutely. If, if if you're really quite vacant, um, they will just know that you're just not showing up. So why should they be investing in your business and investing in into your company? Um, just yeah, yeah, I don't understand that. But anyway. 
That's good. So life after now infinity. Uh, yep. You mentioned sitting on the beach. I know you're not doing that. <laughs> um, but you also mentioned amateur and you're doing some work with us. Yeah. Uh, where are you at? Yeah. You're doing lots of things. What does it look like? Yeah, so one of the one of the um I guess one of the things that came out of Now Infinity was you know, we were producing the vicinity of five thousand documents per day, which was a lot. Um, and that was the creation of entities, um, corporate compliance, whatever it may be, to support um, businesses going forward in accounting practices. And one big element was e-signing solutions. And, again, I found it a bit frustrating that the solution that we were adopting or had adopted was not providing the needs to of, of our clients. And, again, when the pandemic sort of kicked in, we knew that we needed to um, build a solution that was actually going to support that. So Anature is our e-signing solution. Um, we rolled that out in July last year and it has um, been very, very successful. We built it in mind with there was lots of, again, add-on partners um, with the Zero ecosystem and outside of that that needed an e-signing solution that could fit inside the, their software platforms. So that's been very successful. Um, again, we look at the real estate agents. Um, they have picked it up. Um, and ran with it because they actually needed it because of they again online options in Victoria the law societies picked it up so I've spent quite a lot of the time um, working with Anature I'm working um, very closely as you know with Succession Plus and Capitalize because I believe that um, you know with the rollout of and with the duration of the pandemic that we can see that there's going to be two things that's going to happen with these companies or these businesses. And unfortunately, they fall into two buckets. And that's going to be a company that's, um, you know, in distress and one that's going to succeed. And yep. unfortunately, we need to be able to give and, and build the tools and the actual um, visibility for those companies or the accountants or the financial advisors to recognise which one um, company is in distress and which one is actually um you know, succeeding during this time. Now, we don't want to turn our back on those ones that's in distress. We need to be able to give them a hand or we need to be able to say, listen, this is your time to be more creative. Let's let's help out. Or we actually have a buyer for you. So building that tool with you, um, I think, has been really, again, rewarding because sometimes that the accountants don't really understand what's happening until it's too late. And to be able to run that tool and scan it across their database and say, okay, we're using our um, parameters and using our ratios, we can identify you've got, you know, if you've got 500 clients, 50 of these ones are really getting close. And with also the changes, to, you know, during COVID where we've got the restructuring of the practitioners, um, where rather than going to insolvent, rather than going through administration, we can actually identify uh, which clients need help. But more importantly, we can also identify which clients are prime um, for sale. And if they want to exit, we've got the baby boomers, we've got clients that do want to actually successfully depart. Well, what do you need to do? So where else can we actually make sure that you you receive the, the full potential or the full value of your business? And we might just need a few little tweaks here and there. And with our Succession Plus tools, um, this is what's this is what's happening. And connecting that with Zero um, is just astronomical. It's it's such an easy tool, and I think it's going to be well received, and it already has been well received. Yeah, it's great. It's um, certainly a different area for us. I mean, if you go back to two years ago, I had no idea what a tech stack was. 
I certainly wasn't running a fintech business. Now I'm talking to developers and system analysts. You've got your APIs going. Yeah, well, it's it's amazing. I mean, um, I absolutely love the Succession Plus tools and and the valuation, the viability tool. Uh, You know, it's it's been overwhelming uptake because everybody wants to know what's sitting inside their their database and with inside their client, um, you know, particularly the accounting base. Because at the end of the day, when you look at, if we're talking to accountants, um, it actually impacts their dollar value too because yeah. if they have a look and see, um, well, how many of their clients are actually falling below the line or above the line and what's their accounting practice worth if they don't understand what sort of client base they've got? So this helps them too. Yeah, absolutely. So. It's been an interesting uh lesson for me as well because I think you know we were just talking about your baby and how emotionally attached people are to their business it's funny you know you go to a barbecue in Australia people are always talking about what their house is worth and did you see the property up the road sold for 1.3 million dollars and so on but knowing what your business is worth is actually much more difficult than that and so it's been really interesting just to see the number of people that are jumping on there just to get a bit of an idea of what have I actually got here what's it actually worth yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. It's, it's almost like a reset of your asset valuation in, in totality because, as you said, normally we're looking at our property and, and really the property boom at the moment. It's just, I mean, it's, it's just crazy. I've been looking for my sons and, and you know, they can barely get in the market. But mm. it's not that often that you say, well, you know, what's your what's your business worth? And, and when I was going through the sale of Now Infinity, I did have someone say, well, it's only worth what someone's willing to pay. I, I really disagree with this. Um, yep. It's that, That's not the case. Um, I believe it's actually what you make it. Um, and you can actually get the top value if you actually hone in and you understand where the weaknesses are and then you can actually, you know, review them, um, work on them and then enhance them and then you can actually increase that value. And without the tools that we've built, you, you, you wouldn't know. And, yes, yeah, then possibly... Absolutely. Possibly you'd only get what someone's willing to pay, but I, I believe that this actual sentiment is just—it's not true. Um, and this no, is where, and this is the problem that we're solving. Where am I getting Absolutely. stuck? Where is my weakness? And then how do I maximise that to get the top value? Yeah, it's interesting. I've seen a couple of um, you know posts lately, but interestingly, we gave our marketing agency, who we've been working with some time, a big outline of what we were building with Capitalize and so on. And yeah. the comment that they came back with, the basically the subheading, you know, the theme for the business was the market doesn't determine the value of your business, you do. And I, as soon as I read it, I went, wow, that's pretty cool because that's actually what you've just said. You know, there yeah. are things you can do to adjust the value of your business. But oh, you've yeah. got to know which ones to do and box, when right? and how and yeah. what it looks like. Yeah, and you just, I mean, I mean, as you said, if you use the analogy of your property, well, builder comes in and says, well, if you fix that leak, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, or if you fix the, you know, the termites or whatever it may be, then it may increase the value. So if we use that um, up against a business, then you know you're winning. So I agree with you 100%. And this is what this is the problem we've solved, and we've just done exactly what we've we've applied the same analogy as what you do to your home or another asset um, to your business, and it's absolutely paramount that. Um, accountants or advisors or you know even the business owners start to actually address it and look at it and go okay but unfortunately today they haven't actually had such a tool to really recognize all they've looked at is the PL or the balance sheet going okay well do we make enough income or where's our revenue coming from or what's our inventory look like well it, we've got to go beyond that we've got to expand yeah. and we've got to see some other areas there and I think this is this is the way we're going to lead 
Fantastic. So before we wrap up, your number yep. one tip for business owners today. My number one tip for business owners is get to know your business a bit better. Um, I absolutely think that you need to engage with that because just the run of the mill, getting up and then doing the grind is not enough. Um, you've got to get in front. You've got to understand it. And it doesn't need to be complicated. It's just a matter of running that tool, understanding where your strengths are, understanding where there's a possible weakness, if any, and then just adjust to that, fix it, and then I think you're good to go. But get to know your business a little bit better and understand where, where your outcome is, how you're going to exit, um, and also be considerate to what your buyer looks like. Fantastic. It's a good list. <laughs> Emily, thanks for joining us. Uh, Pleasure. Catch up soon. Absolutely, and thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Mid-Market Matters. I hope you found this episode helpful and informative for your business. To find out more, go to midmarketmatters.com.au and to download other episodes, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify or anywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening.